You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Selling your car on Cars.com is so easy. It's like the dealer is in your own backyard. It's all done in three simple steps. One, enter your car's details to get the best offer instantly. Two, confirm with a local dealer. And three, receive a check on the spot or use the value to trade in your car. Cars.com is magical. Click or tap to sell your car on Cars.com today. Selling your car on Cars.com is so fast. It's like the dealer is in your own backyard. Get the best offer instantly, confirm with the dealer, and the money's yours. Cars.com. It's magical. Tap to sell on Cars.com today. Welcome in, everybody. This is the Falcons Podcast. We are live every Monday morning at 9 a.m. Um, Nick Kendall will be joining us shortly. He is from Seattle, so I give him just a little bit of a uh, second to get his, get his stuff together because it's bright and early out in Seattle. I am in Atlanta. And uh, we've got a lot to talk about. It's been a little quiet on the Falcons front, which means there's been some rumors, rumors going around, some what makes sense, what's leaking, who's talking about what, the defensive coordinator search, all kinds of things like that going on. We're going to get into a few of those today. One of the ones I want to dive into is the, uh, the Derek Carr link. Notice I put link in quotes for those of you listening after the fact. It was a very loose link. But Nick... um, having covered the Denver Broncos for years, is very familiar with Derek Carr. So we will touch on if he might be a decent fit for the Atlanta Falcons, how he might fit in, and then I'll break down the likelihood of that happening. Spoiler alert, it's not very likely, but then we'll tell, I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why that, that that's not going to happen and have any questions um, with that as well. Um, then I also want to talk about the defensive coordinator search. Why is this taking so long? Uh, who are the front runners in my mind, et cetera? What could they possibly bring to the Atlanta Falcons defense? Um, and then I want to hit on a couple free agents. So uh, specifically the edge position. Um, PFF linked a defender to every team, a free agent defender to every team in the NFL last week. And I wrote that up on all Falcons and it did really well. Uh, it was um, one of the guys with Sam um, Ebukam, I believe his last name is. I had to write it. 
for the 49ers, uh, backup edge, et cetera, um, coming in and what he could add. But there's there's more than obviously more than just him out there. So we'll we'll talk on a couple of those real quick. Um so first off, let me uh let's let's say hello to some folks in the chat while this is open up. And don't forget to hit that that thumbs up button. Kevin has already done so, done so already. Uh Kevin says good morning, Scott, and Nick will be here too. He says, uh, good morning. I say good morning as well. Um, thank you for hitting that thumbs up button. Nathan Floyd coming in saying good morning. Good morning, Nathan. Make you fumble is here, announcing his presence with authority. Tony Perkins is here also. He says the Bears are better. Better than what? Because um, that's a subjective statement. And right now on the field, they weren't better. <laughs> um, they might be in a better position, though. I've said that a bunch of times. The Bears... They got more free agent cap money. They got that number one overall pick. They look like they've got their quarterback. Uh, the Bears, and shoot, there's so many ties with, <clears throat> with the Falcons and Bears right now that, uh, yes, uh, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of ties right now. I, I, I've, I've joked for the last two years that it will be nice when the Falcons have the free agent money available that they don't have to shop for, for, uh, for players off of the Titans and Bears waiver wire list. Um, Makey Fumble comes and he says, we need uh, J.R. Porter across from AJ. It's a popular name I've seen a lot at a corner. Uh, at the eight spot, might that be a little bit high for him? I'm, if it's not, and, and we'll we'll dive into all that as we move forward closer to the draft process and how everybody tests and all those type of things, I have no problem whatsoever going corner at eight. None. Uh, having a corner opposite of AJ Terrell, we, we advocated for that last year. With uh, with Stingley and Sauce Gardner, look at where Sauce Gardner is now. Can you imagine having Sauce across from AJ? You're you're done at corner for the next ten years. Then you can start building back to front um, and really focusing on the defensive line. You know what else I don't mind? I don't mind being joined by Nick Kendall. Like I said, he is in Seattle. I'm in Atlanta, so we are coast to coast with your football coverage. Nick, how are you doing this morning? Hey, doing pretty well. Happy Monday to you. Decent week of football. Not uh, too many incredible games, but enjoyed uh, last night's game. I think the most of them also. Man, KC so close. And uh, we'll see what happens. Bengals, Chiefs, and 49ers, Eagles. I mean, pretty darn good teams. I'm done picking against the Bengals. I'm done. Yeah. I, I, I don't remember the last time I picked that, picked them to win. Um divisional or you know the wild card round i would have but yeah. you know last year i think i probably picked against them every week they were 10 and 7 kind of eat their way into the playoffs now all i could think of watching them run the ball against buffalo was was happy gilmore when he knocks in the long putt he's like uh-oh happy learned how to putt <laughs> you know, i'm like uh-oh the bengal's offensive line is blocking look out yeah. Look out. So, you know, they're doing all that stuff despite a uh, a line like uh, a line that they had last year. Now their offensive line is starting to play pretty well. Watch out for the Bengals for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was, that was that was a heck of a game. Oh, I don't know if I'll ever pick the Cowboys again to win a game. I'm going to turn them into the opposite opposite of uh, of the Bengals. I'll start picking the Bengals every time and the Cowboys to lose every time. That was a uh, that was a, it was a it was a fun weekend. So. Joe Cannon's coming in also this morning. This is great morning, Scott and Nick. Philip Hogginson as well. 100% realist. I think it is 100% realist anyway. Um, coming in. Good morning, Scott and Nick. And he is here. Zach Powers also. Dave, here's your guy. He says, I want to know about Lucas Van Ness. Because 
as you know, Nick went to Iowa. He was the first person to really start pushing Lucas Van Ness uh, in this space. And now I've seen him mocked as high as eight to the Falcons. Yeah, Lucas Van Ness, uh, six foot five, six foot six, 275 pounds, and an explosive athlete. Uh, kind of came on pretty late in the uh, football cycle, was not super heavily recruited, obviously, still had a Division one offer. So, was recruited enough for the body type and the athleticism that he has, but very versatile pass rusher. Um, two years ago, uh, 2021, you started, excuse me. Last year, you started to see him play a little bit inside and outside in 2022. They line him up at three tech sometimes. They line him up at outside. And he's just got tremendous power, tremendous length, uh, good versatility. My biggest thing with Van Ness is that Iowa really played him more of as a backup type of player um, where he was not really needing to play the run as much as the pass. Mm -hmm. um, so I do have quicks about his ability to set the edge, his run defense in general, um, his leverage can have some issues. Now that's something that because he did play on the interior, he has developed some, but just given his role in this, the snaps that he saw, uh, it's going to be a projection and a work in progress as far as his edge setting, despite the size, despite the massive frame and length and everything like that. But really incredible, uh, unique pass rusher power type of guy with some versatility. And I'm, I'm pretty shocked to see him as high as eight. I guess I should trust myself on some of those things because you see it and it's like, okay, he's putting Peter Skaronsky on his ass. He's beating <laughs> up Paris Johnson Jr. Those are considered like two of the top three offensive linemen in football. And he's has some like dominant reps against them. So uh, again, a little bit of a project, some projection there. I think you're going to get that after pick five this draft um, in general, but uh, really fun player. Um, good to see him getting some hype and so much deserved love. A couple, a couple of comps I want to use with him. Uh, Adafa Owe who was late to the game. Now, is he going to go out and test the way OA did, which basically made him one of the most athletic people in the NFL the minute he put on a helmet? Probably not. Um, not quite like that, but he was he's late to the game. Why is he late to the game? Here's a couple more comps that I want to use. He was a hockey player, basically, until eighth grade. Didn't start playing football until eighth grade. Sam Hubbard, Cincinnati Bengals, was an All-American lacrosse player. He was 6'5", 200 pounds, playing, I think, Cincinnati Moeller. I put five stars next to that kid's name before he went to Ohio State. And he was committed to go play lacrosse at Notre Dame before he ended up playing football. Just the athleticism, the toughness, all that type of stuff. And someone near and dear to our hearts in Falcons country here, Patrick Kearney, was also a defensive end lacrosse player who played at University of Virginia, first-round pick, and ended up being a terrific defensive end for the Atlanta Falcons. So I'm, I'm kind of thinking that way just a little bit. Uh, Michael Rankio saying good morning, Scott and Nick on the Falcons podcast. Good morning to you as well. Um, let me see here. Let's uh, let's hit on um, uh, the, the topic at hand real quick. First off, before I get into the likelihood and why or why not, it might not be very likely. Adam Schefter started talking about Derek Carr. He says that, uh, you know, the Raiders quarterback is expected to be traded. That triggers his $40.4 million guarantee, guaranteed salary. Hmm. There's strike one. Um, but he says that Carr will have plenty of suitors and every team in the NFC South is expected to be looking for a quarterback, um, would be interested in a quarterback. Okay. I, I agree with that. What, whether you think of Desmond Ritter or not, your job as a, as a general manager is to explore all options, okay? Derek Carr is available. He's not going to be traded for, Nick. 
There's no way that 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 contract lasts until next season. No one, no one's going to trade for Derek Carr. They've got a really small dead cap hit. They're going to have to cut him, and then you're negotiating with them as a free agent, right? I would assume so. Uh, maybe it's something where he comes in and it's a complete contract restructure. You kick some of those guarantees down the line because he's probably coming with a new contract anyway. But why? Uh, so why? What? Why? If you're Derek Carr, why would you do that? Why not wait and make you cut me? Why? Doesn't he have a no trade clause? Yeah. So it's. I mean he can still dictate where he goes. It's similar to free agency. It's just the Raiders are getting compensation back. I guess if he really wanted to stick it to the Raiders, then he could. But I think that no matter where he goes, it's a new contract coming in. um, And the guarantees are probably going to be over 40 million anyway, which is the guarantee that comes on it. So I think it's probably the big question is, is how much does he want to give the finger to the Raiders on the way out the door? Um, (laughs) Which he he might want to. I mean, he can, he can feel like he was uh, dirty done to him. But but again, Nick, if you've got the team that you want to go to, <clears throat> I can block everybody else and wait for free agency. You know, mm-hmm. why would I, if I'm that team, why would I send the Raiders anything? You yeah. know, let's say I'm the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because he ain't coming to Atlanta folks. <laughs> Spoiler alert. If I'm the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and I've basically already got an agreement in principle with, with his agents, that's not tampering them. That's what agents are for. Mm-hmm. Why am I sending them a third round pick? when I can just wait until whatever date that they cut. And what is it by, I don't, I know what the date is, but it's, you know, probably mid February when his salary, salary guarantee, why not just wait until they cut him? That doesn't make any sense to me. He might give multiple teams that he's okay with. And then the Raiders yeah. can negotiate between them. Um, if he picks one team, it's a different conversation, but kind of like we saw with Deshaun Watson, he could dictate where he was going to Granted, It was more years of control, but he's that, and that's him. the key. That That's yes. the key. Yeah. Um, so they're up against it. I think it's very likely he is cut with everything, especially with the deadline coming up. But I could see a scenario where, again, he's going to get a new contract anyway. So that forty million, he's not going to see forty million against the cap next season. He just, he's just not. Uh, and it's also not going to be for one season. He'll get a new contract when he's traded for. And I could see him saying, "I'm okay with this team, this team, this team, this team. Whichever one you feel like is fine with the compensation uh, returning, then that's okay." But uh, again, just playing devil's advocate here, there are avenues where it's not just as simple as, of course, he's being cut. I think he'd also probably enjoy free agency more, let the p- process draw out a little bit, you know, take those visits, uh, see what fits culturally. Cause I mean, like you said, it's probably mid February or March when that money kicks in, that's guaranteed. doesn't give you much time to travel around and meet people and yeah. kind of see what the fit is. So and you can do it in a weekend, you know, <laughs> yeah. you got a pretty good idea. And again, it might just be, okay, I want to do right by the Raiders negotiate with this team and I'll waive my no trade mm-hmm. clause. Maybe it might just say where he says to hell with you guys. I'm not waving it and I'll wait until you cut me and then I'll sign as a free agent real quick back to uh, Lucas Van Ness, who was mocked at eight. Would you take him over miles Murphy Clemson defensive end edge rusher? I think they're similar athletes. I think miles Murphy is slightly better. I'd probably take miles Murphy over him. It does seem like miles Murphy is getting the both Clemson guys are getting kicked down by the national folks a bit. So curious to see if there's anything more to that. Uh, but uh, right now, my gut instinct is saying Miles Murphy at eight instead of Lucas Van Ness. But I got to say, most people are like, you know, banging the drum, you know, like homers to their guys. Mm-hmm. I'm typically even more guarded. I'm tougher on them because I've seen them more. So their f- faults uh, and my questions stick out more. And as a, the I've told you that before, you know, the the frequency, there's a phrase for that. I say, you know, you, where you start nitpicking things. You're like, I like this guy. Trust your, trust your instincts a little overexposure, bit. Overexposure a little bit. Uh, yeah, yeah. The overexposure to him. You start, you start picking things apart. Um, and, and Kevin says, I don't want to work in progress at eight. Um, I, I understand that in, in a sense though, they're, they're all works in progress. 
Will Anderson and, is. He's 230 pounds and yeah. couldn't set an edge to save his life. Yeah. I mean, I that's mean, Kyle Pitts is a work in progress at four. You know, they're they're yeah. all a work in progress, so to speak. What can you get out of them while they are perfecting their craft? With an edge rusher, does he have the ability to beat his guy and go get a sack? Probably. Yeah. <laughs> Probably. That's the easy part. Uh, that's the easy part. Lawrence coming in. <clears throat> this is Falcons right now talking about Dan Quinn, which is relevant to the Atlanta Falcons. Um, Dan Quinn will probably be a head coach again next year. Uh, he's in with the Denver Broncos. We'll see if he gets his second interview. Um, uh, I don't know. I, I don't want him. I'm a fan of Dan Quinn. I, I just of the person I want him to be successful wherever he goes. Mm -hmm. Um, and if he's not, I'd like it to not be with people I interact with every day, which is Denver Broncos fans. Cause I don't want y'all bagging on him every day because I, I really like him. <laughs> so go somewhere else. Go somewhere else, Dan. Um, yeah. Let's see. Victor coming. He says, good morning, uh, Falcons fans here from Brazil. About the DC hire, do you think that Fangio Flores are the front runners for the job? Which one has a better scheme fit for Atlanta? Have a great week. Thank you, Victor. Um, we'll come back and touch on Derek Carr. Right, let me finish with Derek Carr here, Victor, and then we'll come back to you on this. And I'll transition back to here. Um Give me the Twitter version, the you know the 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 forty five second version of how Derek Carr would fit an Arthur Smith type of offense. Um, you know, would he be a thirty million dollar quarterback for the Atlanta Falcons? Would it would he be worth that type of investment? It's hard to say. Uh, with Arthur Smith, the best of his defenses, or best of his offenses, the quarterback has had some ability to stress that edge uh, on the backside of the rush, you know, on the dropbacks, if he's going to boot or uh, quarterback keeper, um, something that, again, you can stress those linebackers and that edge rusher um, horizontally. I don't know if Derek Carr does that as much, but uh, in theory, you should be, be able to create space and empty the box out more because you can actually utilize your guys like Kyle Pitts and Dr Drake Law. London. So more than we saw from Desmond Ritter, granted small sample size, but even at Cincinnati, he really struggled in the vertical passing game. Uh, so that, that's something that he's a fine quarterback. You're breaking up on us a little Either bit. It kind of feels like a Ram like version for you. It looks like you're frozen up a little bit now oh. um, where you're uh, it's dragging just a shade as if your computer uh, video cards having a little bit trouble keeping up. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna cut to the chase here real quick. Um, I don't think there's any chance in the world the Falcons trade for him. Um, somebody might. I wouldn't throw him anything more than a seventh rounder, and the reason why is because the Raiders can't keep him. He they they've they've burned that bridge. He is gone. In fact, he's been on social media saying goodbye already. I, I when I saw that I was like, wait, is he cut? I hadn't seen that or <laughs> seen that or not. I'm not trading anything for a guy <clears throat> that's on his way out that has a a, a contract that I don't want cut him, re-sign him. I don't think he's the right guy for what you're looking for is in the rebuild in Atlanta. I'd rather take those resources and build around Desmond Ritter for right now. And maybe CJ Stroud falls to eight. Then maybe I'm thinking about taking a quarterback, but I'm not going with a, a anything more than a $15 million type of veteran quarterback right now. I'm not going, I'm not putting $30 million in my quarterback position. Unless it's a you know a proven all star you know all pro type of guy, then then we'll talk. But no, it's it's not going to happen. The links were very loose. It said the entire NFC South is expected to be in the market for a new quarterback. That's what that's what um, Adam Schefter had. Uh, he's being quoted as saying. I didn't actually hear him saying. It was a quote I read from from Dove Kleinman. Um, 
That said, no, you're in the market. That doesn't mean I'm always in the market for a new car. I'm not going to buy a new car, but I'm always shopping. I'm always looking. Is this what I like? I like shopping. So general managers do. So I don't expect that to happen at all. Now, getting back to Victor here, one of the reasons this is taking so long is because I think uh, Fangio and Flores are the top two candidates out there for defensive coordinator positions, depending on what happens with Ajiro Evero, who could be on the market again soon, mm-hmm. depending on what the Denver Broncos do at head coach. The reason why this is taking so long is because Fangio and Flores are also head coaching candidates. They're not going to do anything until they find out for sure that they're not going to be head coaches. And then would they be my top two picks for the Atlanta Falcons? Yes, yes, they would. Um, why don't you, can you compare the schemes and, and, and what they might try to do? And remember, the Falcons fans are tired with of, of bend but don't break. They're, they don't want it anymore. They, they want, they, I don't want to see a four-man rush with a 20-point with a lead and drop back and play prevent. I, I we don't want to see it here. It's, it's this is more grits blitz. <laughs> we want to see some attacking. You haven't been able to do that because of the personnel, but we want to see some pressure on the quarterbacks. 39 sacks over two years is ridiculous. 18 last year, 21 this year. It's ridiculous. Um, we want to see some attacking. Well, then Vic Fangio is probably not your guy. Uh, Vic Fangio, match quarters, he's kind of the godfather of the way defenses are being played right now. Uh, everybody, I mean, the reason explosive passing has fallen off a cliff is because a lot of people are matching uh, Vic Fangio's usage of his safeties in the pre-snap, uh, not showing your hand, and also the match quarters, cover four, cover two, you know, two deep safeties, no matter what, leaving the box a little bit more vulnerable. So that's Vic Fangio. Um, you can, you need your everybody to be able to tackle like that. And you probably need some solid linebacker defensive line personnel because your boxes are inherently going to be lighter, which means their job is going to be tougher. Um, but you can protect yourself on the back end and not give up explosives as much as far as a type of defense that you were mentioning there. It's more Brian Flores. He played a lot of cover one uh, in Miami, very blitz happy out there. Uh, so if you're looking for that style of defense, that's going to be him. I will say that that type of defense in today's NFL, you have to have dudes in the secondary. Um, I mean, you, like there's not many teams that have three man cornerbacks and a good enough safety where you can live in cover one and not get exploited in today's NFL, given how good wide receivers are at yak, how good teams are at isolating matchups. So if you want that type of offense, you probably do have to bring in a Joey Porter, a Christian Gonzalez, a Devon Witherspoon, maybe even sign uh, Jesse Bates as well. Uh, but as far as styles, I love that's all these options. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can start naming those names. I'm like, okay, that sounds yeah. good to me. Bring them in. Yeah. Now, here's my question on this flip flipping this on its head, because I've watched I watched Vic Fangio's defense in Denver for a year, and it was it was lots of yards between the 20s. Mm-hmm. Um, and then hope they don't, you know, hold them to field goals, limit possessions. And I like to think that some of that was based on he didn't trust his offense and maybe even the personnel he had on defense, possibly, you know, with uh, with Von Miller and Bradley Chubb being being injured all the time, because what he did last year was collect his severance pay for the Broncos. And he's been working as a defensive consultant with the Philadelphia Eagles, who had 70 sacks this year, 70 it take four years for the Falcons to get 70 sacks. 70. So when we're talking about an attacking defense, getting half the sacks that Philadelphia did would double 
the amount of sacks that the Falcons have had in the last two seasons, 18 and 21. My math's a little bit off, but you get my point here. How much influence did Fangio have on that defense? Because they're attacking, Nick. They're still not a blitz-happy defense. Mm -hmm. uh, they're winning their matchups up front, and they do a good job of isolating guys. It doesn't have to be blitz-happy to get pressure. Uh, I think people – I had a conversation with some people on a Broncos blog, like, we want a blitz. It's like, well, how how are the great defenses functioning today's NFL? You see – you line up like you're blitzing, but you don't blitz. You know, it's the fake blitz, as Scott liked to say, or as coaches would prefer to say, simulated pressures where they can – disguising your, your your pressure packages. Yep, and you're trying to isolate specific blockers and areas based yeah. on the alignment of your defensive players. So if one drops, you know that this is going to be the matchup or one guy will carry over, blah, blah, blah. Um, and they do a good job with that out there. I think a big thing, too, is that if you are good enough on the back end and covering, uh, you're going to have more pressure sacks. That's another big part of it. And if you're playing the, with a lead. And if you're playing with a lead, you can pin your ears back, which the Eagles certainly did this season. So uh, I really like the Fangio defense style. I, don't th I think you probably are correct in your – uh, mentioning that the horses on the Broncos defense, especially his last two years, were not great. Uh, I mean, if you remember correctly, the Broncos two years ago were finishing up the season with Pac-Man Jones and some other street-free agent playing at defensive back. And then they go out and go hard at the defensive back position uh, to improve that at cornerback. But And then the year after that, they had no pass rush at all. Second worst pass rushing unit in football behind the, uh, behind the or ahead of the Falcons, I guess. Uh, but I do prefer his style of defense. Maybe it's not as quote-unquote aggressive as some people would like but if you can get 70 sacks like we saw with josh gannon and vic fangio this season in the eagles that's there's definitely ways to get the uh, pressure without having to send the house every time all right here's uh this is a little bit of my question here because i want to i want to prove your point on this without the blitzing now hassan reddick is you know an edge linebacker he he did lead the team with 16 sacks that's almost as many as the falcons had last year um 16 versus 19 versus 21 but then their next sack leaders, they have four guys in double digits. Their next sack leaders were Javon Hargrave, uh, defensive tackle, Josh Sweat, and Brandon Graham, end. Um, and then Fletcher Cox, defensive tackle, Milton Williams, defensive tackle. So th those are their next guys. So they're getting this, the, the, the Atlanta Falcons 98 defense put pressure with four guys. That's how they were an elite defense on that 98 team. That's how the Philadelphia Eagles are an elite defense. Now, you can change around a base three, four is what we've been playing in Atlanta. That's, that, that's flexible. You saw a lot of four man fronts with Grady sliding inside inside. So it could, uh, again, how much influence does, does Fangio have on that? What could he have possibly learned? You know, and I wonder, you know, I don't think he'd be allergic to pressure <laughs> if he comes in. Um, and, and again, you know, my worry if with Fangio is they just grind the clock down you know, you, you put all you put all of these these resources into offensive skill players and weapons, and then you're just going to run the ball and grind it down and limit possessions, and it becomes kind of boring football, mm -hmm. honestly. But yes, uh, let's see. Um, Nathaniel Floyd says, uh, you know, Flores is getting head coaching interviews. Fangio actually did too. He interviewed with a head coaching position that I know of with the Panthers. Um, so I don't know if, if he's gotten any others, but he has been getting some, um, some head coaching interviews. Um, as far as tied to Peyton goes, Sean Payton is going to get a nine figure contract. John Gruden got 10 years, hundred million dollars. It wouldn't surprise me a bit to see Sean Payton at five years, hundred million dollars. 
he's not going to hitch his wagon to Vic Fangio. It's the other way around. So they may end up together, but it's certainly not, you know, a done deal type of thing. Um, Aki Dragon says, uh, welcome in Aki Dragon. He says, Peyton, the new Cowboys coach. I don't know that you can you can make that that fire just yet. Uh or you're or you're doing that with uh what's it said Malarkey? What's his what's his name? I, all I can think of is Malarkey, and I know that's not right. It's escaping me right now as well. I know the head coach <laughs> of the of the uh it's like McConkey, Malarkey, McDaniel, mix something. Which um, which McDaniels? I can't remember the head coach's name. Like picture is round face and a Packers you, but I, I can't remember McCarthy. <laughs> Mike McCarthy, thank you. McCarthy, it was one of those one of those mix. So um, <laughs> the Scots man. <laughs> yes, thank you guys. <laughs> well, no, the McDaniel's McClintock. Uh, it's uh, all these Irishmen. Yeah, or the mix Scotsman. I get Scots. It. I think Mick is. I typically think of Scots with the O's yeah. being the Irish. But uh, McCarthy, yeah, we had Jerry Jones come out yesterday that McCarthy is safe. So I think we'll. See what happens on that one. Uh, we'll also see what happens with Dan Quinn. Fun game yesterday. Great defenses. Both, I think, the 49ers defense has better personnel, but also 49ers were going up against Dak, who's not maybe an elite quarterback, but a good quarterback. Had a, didn't have a great game. I wonder why he had a terrible game against a very good defense that does an awesome job at disguising coverages and playing their coverages, but I digress. And, yeah, I mean... Uh, the 49ers, you know, Purdy is a great story. The fir- the 49ers didn't win that game because of Pur- Purdy, but they didn't lose it because of him either. He's doing very well. Yeah. I think this is as far as the 49ers are going to go. The Eagles are just better. Yeah. Um, but we'll, we'll, we will see. And Zach reminds us, it should have been 22 sacks if not for that uh, bogus flag on Grady Jarrett. Good Lord. That was so bad. So yeah. bad on that roughing in, in the first game against Tampa. So bad. All right, before we get out of here, um, let's talk about possible free agents. Melvin Ingram, uh, free agent, Miami Dolphins, 33, 34 years old. How does he come in? How would he come in and help this Falcons team? Rotational player, stand-up edge, uh, still has a wicked spin move. He's very old, though. <laughs> He's been around. Be 34. I think he was coming out of the draft when I was a freshman in college. God, I guess I'm old now too, but I remember watching him at South Carolina and a couple of my Bears friends, fans, friends really wanted him that draft cycle. He's a yeah, okay. Some of these guys have kids that you covered. Yeah. Guy. Um, <laughs> Marvin Harrison Jr. I remember that one. Patrick Sedan, the second too. I mean, it's crazy. Joey Porter Jr. Talking about the top of the show there for me, but uh, be talking about Melvin Ingram. He'd be fine as a rotational guy. Uh, you pay, he could probably pay him super cheap. Is he going to want to come to the Falcons? It feels like he's a ring chasing aspect of his career right now, or he's signing one year deals to be a mercenary, to be on a elite defense or an elite team. And, you know, really chase after that playoff success, which he can do at that point in his career. How about, so PFF linked uh, Sam Ebukam, he, uh, the 49ers edge, you know, he doesn't necessarily play against, uh, he, he'd have to be a number one as opposed to playing opposite Bosa, but his pressure rate was almost double what Lorenzo Carter's was. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he'd probably be a 10 million type of range, which the Falcons can afford. And that's still middle price for a, an elite, for an edge rusher to, to improve. Falcons pour in a, another draft pick, say they go Miles Murphy, Tyree Wilson, uh, Lucas Van Ness, sign a Sam Ebukam. And then you've got Ebukam. You even have room to bring back Carter. Carter was only on $3 million. Um, you know, D'Angelo Malone, the odd man out there then would be uh, at Ad- a who I think, you know, who started a bunch of games, but I don't think you necessarily want him starting. 
Um, yeah. You know, how about Ebukam? Have you seen enough of him to be interested in him at edge? I would be interested in paying him okay starter money. I don't think I'd pay him, you know, top, obviously not top tier, but like, you know, pass rusher one kind of money. Uh, but I could see him getting a starting one. The thing about <laughs> playing, it's not only that he's playing opposite of Nick Bosa, uh, but he's also playing behind probably the best linebackers in football. Uh, Dre Greenlaw. I couldn't believe I saw Fred Warner drop back into the seam to knock a pass away from CD lamb. He's incredible. Isn't couldn't he? Believe he's, it. he's unbelievable. Um, I loved him in that draft. Uh, fun story here real quick. Make the Broncos fans cry, but the uh, Broncos were literally on the phone with him about to take him. And then the 49ers buzzed in. Um, they had one pick before and they're like, yep, I got a call from uh, San Francisco. I got to take this one. And <laughs> gonna have to take this coach. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the Broncos end up taking Royce Freeman, who didn't do very much in the NFL. Uh, but uh, man, so close. I loved him in that draft cycle out of BYU. I digress. Um, Abukam, he's fine. It's also the defensive tack- tackles that they have there. Uh, they have length monsters. Eric yeah. Armstead, uh, Javon Kinlaw, guys with like 35, 36 inch arm length. So his job is pretty damn easy. Um, I would be a little worried about bringing him in, you know, when he's been a Robin to come in and, and then be Batman for this team. I mean, He's Alfred. He's not even Robin. He's out there, you know, cl- cleaning up things <laughs> behind the superheroes. Uh, but he's he's fine. He's a good player. Um, and he, there's a reason he's going to hit the market and be available. But he'd be fine, I think, as a rotational kind of guy where if you have a an assortment of different body types and edge rushers, you can get after it and pay him well. Uh, Would but, he be an upgrade over a $3 million Lorenzo Carter? Yes. At uh, $10 million. Yeah. Yes. Lorenzo, I think, is a little bit better in terms of the dropping into coverage. Uh, if you were going to use those edges to drop and kind of do some mixed match coverage stuff, I like I prefer his movement and length. Uh, but Ebukam would be a, a good player there as far as a pass rusher. All right. Well, we cut that one short. We will not always do that. We may end up just adding another show so we can go longer with the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, but we will be back <clears throat> on Wednesday morning with Coast to Coast Football, where we start talking about um, the draft as a whole. Um, you know, we've got lots, I've got lots of new subscribers from bears, from bills, from Colts, from Seahawks on my channel on, on the, on the YouTube channel, we will go coast to coast football on Wednesday mornings at nine o'clock. Um, we talk Falcons on Monday mornings at nine, uh, Broncos Tuesday at mile high huddle and Thursdays mile high huddle and Mondays at mile high huddle. Uh, but Nick and I will be back on these channels Wednesday at nine, we'll probably talk draft. We'll probably talk some top free agents. We'll talk a little playoffs. Uh, if you want to talk Broncos with us in just about 60 seconds, we're heading over to Mile High Huddle on YouTube right now. Uh, if you want to hang out with us and talk football with Falcons, with draft, with all of the things NFL, come back and see us at Coast to Coast Football, nine o'clock Wednesday morning. Uh, Michael says, great show today. Nick and Scott on Falcons podcast. See you guys on Broncos for breakfast. Yes, you will. We have to get out of here. Hit the comment section. You know Nick and I will be there. So we will see you uh, on Wednesday morning, same place, same time, 9 a.m. Coast to Coast Football. Appreciate you being here.